Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of What Most People Think. And, well, it's beginning to look a lot like Brexit everywhere you go. Oh, wow, what a shocker, that election. Was it a shocker? Was it a shock? That's the whole point about this election, is it wasn't, was it? I mean, the the polls had suggested a Tory majority is the most likely outcome uh, when it happened and was more than people thought, everyone was in shock that this outcome that was within the margin of error uh, came to pass. But um, but listen, man, I, look, I know I said I wouldn't be doing another podcast until between Christmas and New Year, but I, I couldn't I couldn't leave it without commenting on the uh, stonkathon outcome of this election. And and also, basically, my missus said that um, well, I, she didn't really want me doing any work between Christmas and New Year, which is fair enough. You know, you got to have some proper time off. Got to let your battery recharge, uh, but the battery was fully charged after last week. I mean, it did. There was that weird point, wasn't there? That there's we've had in all recent elections where it seemed like the opposite thing was going to happen, right? And that's partly a consequence of social media and people just presuming that every single new voter registration <laughs> is for Labour. There's some young people; they're all for us. Uh, they might just be re-registering because they've moved again. You know, no, Stormzy said something. It's all for us. The young, the young shall win it. Um, and yeah, I mean, like then there was the queues at the polling stations. There are queues at polling stations in London, which in a way kind of demonstrates the problem with Labour. Right. They claim that they're not London centric. And then seriously, fucking 10 hipsters baking their own fucking rye bread outside the uh, outside a polling station in fucking crouch end and they're, they're, they're getting excited again it's on I mean I think that some people genuinely thought that a Corbyn majority even at one point um, would be possible but it wasn't quite that I found out um, <clears throat> the 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 result or the exit poll in the most kind of uh, well shocking way possible I was there to do the Channel 4's alternative election thing and they had us all there kind of like ready for the show to start in case they needed to bring on someone to discuss something at any time and uh, when it came up conservative majority, I was I could not have been in a more metropolitan heartland. So I did, you know, I'm I try to be magnanimous. I um, you know I only did uh, fourteen fist pumps to the air and kept my wooing to a minimum because we were live on air. I was just you know making my holding holding eye contact and doing the Andy Murray fist pump. And uh, yeah, let's suffice to say that um, not everyone um not every not everyone backstage. Uh, appreciated the outcome put it that way but um hey i'll save some of those stories for the book but uh but yeah i had to go on and and the first time i was on like so so there was in fairness to channel four for that show there was plenty of conservatives in the room but they were just keeping their fucking heads down man they were like oh shit even i didn't see it well maybe some of them didn't even want boris to have as big a majority as that maybe you know there's plenty of conservatives that felt that way and uh, and so I went on. They would had about forty minutes of being in shock, and then and then I went on with Stanley Johnson. And um, well, it's the first time that I've ever been booed on to television. And I, I, I'm not saying that all the boos were for me. Stanley Johnson, 
uh, can certainly create booze within his own right. He doesn't need any help at all. It's a, it was a unique experience being the second least popular conservative on tele- television <laughs> at a given time. So it, it was tricky. It was tricky for the whole night for anybody coming on that show doing comedy because, well, as David Baddiel rightly said, you know, it, it felt like, you know, one team was 4-0 up at half time and then you just had to play out making like any other result was possible. And in that studio audience, there were people, people crying, man. There were people crying, head in hands, distraught. Now, I know some of you listening to this are just going, keep going, Jeff. You're actually tugging one out at the moment, going, go on, tell me more. Tell me more about those salty liberal tears. But, you know, as much as I can joke about it, it's not nice to see people upset, but equally, I think that the reasons for them being so distraught are partly because of the hyperbole on the left. You know, if you genuinely think that the NHS is like going to cease to exist within you know a couple of weeks, then then of course you would be upset. But it's whether or not you should be believing that in the fucking first place. But um, but anyway, we'll we'll deal deal more with the politics uh, later in the show. I just want to say a quick thank you to people buying tickets for the 2020 tour. Remember, it starts well, it starts again in less than a month. Uh, so obviously, I'm gonna have to write some new material. But uh, but to be fair, the show was not specifically as party political as some have been in the past, but there was a section of it that was. So unfortunately, I am going to have to retire all my Corbyn jokes, man. I'm just going to just gonna spend a little bit of time with them over Christmas, you know, just saying saying goodbye in the proper way, you know. They've, they've been good to me, and uh, they've helped raise me in comedy. And uh, But don't get, uh, don't get me wrong, I've got there's plenty still to talk about. I'm almost relishing not talking about Corbyn. Do you know what I mean? Because one of the points, I mean, we call this podcast what most people think and by god it's been shown in the last week or so but is that it seemed really obvious to most people that Jeremy Corbyn could never win a majority as prime minister so we've got some runners and riders to get our teeth into um just a quick uh just a quick fuck you uh before we carry on um fuck you to uh to um KFC okay I'm a big supporter of KFC I've been very public about my love of the Colonel, and I've spent some, you know, he's been a big figure in my life, Colonel Sanders. I've spent, you know, in cities up and down the country, I've spent many a quiet moment of contemplation, you know, just with, with uh, two-piece chicken meal. I keep it really simple. And the 11 herbs, and you know, there was a point with the herbs and spices where I thought I, I wanted to know what they were, but actually I think it's um, faith is more important sometimes than science. Um, but, but yeah, the, the chicken's getting smaller with KFC. Stop it. Okay, it's just getting fucking tiny. I, I had something called a chicken breast the other day. It was like I was eating a fucking pigeon. Do you know what I mean? I was eating a chaffinch. Do you want the chaffinch box set meal, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> do you want a quail? Do you want a quail snack box? I want chicken. I want. Let's let's get KFC returning to the to those mutant sized chicken from a while ago. Right? Remember the one when they said, oh, "Shut the fuck up, Lily." Sorry about that. That was the uh, the dog barking. Well, <laughs> really, Jeff? Is that what that sound was? I thought you discovered some new creature from the Americas. Um, yeah, but I, I sort of told her to shut up initially because she just barks generally. And then I thought it might be an Amazon package and, <clears throat> you know, but it wasn't. So she's a prick. <laughs> So yeah, the election. I mean, if it was, uh, I was trying to work out what the confidence was based on, and I was thinking it could only be that the polling was quite similar 
to begin with, or, or you know, the Tories were weren't as far ahead as twenty seventeen. So the people involved with Labour around them thought, oh, we will we'll repeat the glory of twenty seventeen. Even though in twenty seventeen Labour were the second party by a distance of sixty seats, imagine trying to recreate that glory. You know, like instead of saying, "Oh, you know," when England beat Australia in the summer, they said, oh, "Let's bring back the glory of Headley eighty one." Going, "Oh, let's bring back the glory of uh, of like the Oval two thousand one, where we lost by a similar margin." Let's let's aim let's aim for that. Um, I mean, that was I was thinking about. I was thinking about you know what any people with regrets on the left and the Remain side, because obviously it seems like Brexit will definitely happen now. And um, it'll be that they didn't vote for May's, May's deal, right? Because it was effectively a soft Brexit. And if you're a Labour supporter or, you know, politician, then you keep May in place. Uh, the Conservative voters that don't feel like it's a real Brexit will punish them at the next election. Why didn't they vote for May's deal? You know, well, we know why they didn't, because they sensed a point in time where they thought that, they could stop Brexit altogether, right? There was a, it was a piece of opportunism where they felt like the force was with them because in London, that there London, they were having marches, weren't they? You know, and they were, there was lots of banners and they thought, well, this means that the country has changed its mind. Um, but no, I mean, what they effectively did was, and you know I love a, a cricket analogy, is they, uh, they enforced a follow-on and lost by 10 wickets. That's what they did. They enforced the follow-on. No, let's just keep... Because they were sort of enjoying it, weren't they? Inflicting defeat upon defeat uh, on the government in the Commons. And they thought that this kept wounding the beast. And then when the beast come on... And, you know, as you as you well know, I have had uh, my issues with Boris Johnson. I still am, you know, fundamentally suspicious of the man. But uh, but what he's done there, I mean, he has Ben Stokes the shit out of it, hasn't he? He's come out there... I, fucking, let's be honest. I mean, if, if we're saying he's Ben Stokes did, ben, ben Stokes wasn't offering chances behind. You know, Boris was. Boris should have walked on the Andrew Neil thing. You know, there's a couple of edges behind. There was a blatant catch behind on being caught in a fridge. He was caught behind. <laughs> he, he was bold GMB, caught fridge. But yeah, it does create this thing, which um, I spoke about on Channel 4's alternative election, that there is this now, this unusual alliance, isn't there, between the Tories and Northern working class voters They've gone beyond the wall. If we're going to use a uh, a Game of Thrones Game of Thrones analogy, but which does mean that Boris is Jon Snow. Uh, I don't think he's a particularly a Kit Harrington, <laughs> Jon Snow type character. But he's made this alliance. He made an alliance with the wildlings to beat the common enemy, which could kill us all, which is socialism, which is the White Walkers. Okay. Although, as a couple of people pointed out to me, that um, that Jon Snow. Yeah, I can't do a Game of Thrones spoiler, can I? Anyway, but but the, the, that metaphor is, is you know potentially slightly less secure than it first seems, um, and yeah, they they've got to deliver, haven't they? Because the, when when you encourage people to do something that they they wouldn't normally do, if they've already gone in that polling booth with certain hesitations. I imagine in certain you know northern constituencies, the it's almost like their hand would have instinctively just gone to put that little X in Labour just because of the the fucking pits, but um, but they did, you know, they lent the Tories their vote, and uh, I really hope that that Boris doesn't get carried away uh, with this big majority, you know, and you know, because Labour fucked it up, they fucked it up, they said they suddenly, as the campaign got halfway through, they realised this thing that a lot of people, you know, on the blue Labour side of thing have been saying for a while was that all the um, 
all the most all Labour's marginal constituencies were Leave constituencies, right? This is obvious. I mean, we've, a lot of us have been saying this for a while. And then, you know, a couple of weeks into their election campaign, they go, we're going to strengthen our offer to Leave. And then that, that, that strengthening involves the, the knowledge that Richard Bergen would be one of the few high-profile people to campaign for the uh, for Corbyn's on his fucking broker. You know what would have been the worst thing if Labour had have somehow had a good result? Is that sitting on the fence would then have had to become like a positive thing? Like not having a fucking view on something. Yeah, Colby, well, he sat on the fence and what brilliant fence sitting that was. Look at the splinters in his ass. He has, oh, he's toughed it out there. Is it like a game, you remember that thing touched the truck, like the last person holding on to ambiguity wins? And if you want to amuse yourself, right, go on um, go on Twitter and just, or, or just search, Cor- search Corbyn's played a blinder over Brexit. The amount of people that tried to push that idea over the last few years was, yeah, actually, you know, this constructive ambiguity thing is actually quite genius. Corbyn, uh, in being a, apparently a man of principle and conviction and not telling us what either of those things are in this situation, he's, um, he's actually playing a blinder. And it'll be interesting in comedy because certainly, you know, a few people have said to me, and I had this thought myself, was like, it, 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 there's been this sense while everything's been in the balance that, we, you know, well, that the, there was a fight to be fought. Now what does right of centre comedy do? And I still, I still don't know any other... I know that there are right-wing comedians and contrarian comedians. I'm not sure who else voted Conservative at this election or who's admitted to it. I think it's a bit like Brexit now. Is it Brexit? You know, the, the BBC and the Metropolitan Bubble, they suddenly had their... They had it burst where they, they realised there was this audience out there that felt very differently. And, and now, you know, with the Conservative vote, it's always been seen as, like, you know, people southeast like... People living in the southeast, depressed fucking suburban mortgage brokers. But it's not now. It's people in the north. So now we have uh, another audience that comprises, you know, getting on for half of the population as well. So, so what happens next in comedy? Because, you know, rightly, there will be the left-wing comedians that will oppose this government. And, of course, you need that. And, you know, it's what satire should do to a point. But, also, you know, also comedy and political viewpoints and diversity, dare we say it, Basically, this is me just going, I should have my own show now. That's what I'm saying, isn't it? I'm doing it in a roundabout way. But not just me. I think that there's a there's a band of... Um, yeah, just me, right? I host it. But there's a, there's a band of people. And people on the left as well. That, that I think that there's a, a new comic kind of discourse out there that could be had. And I, I hope that, you know, 2020, a new decade... I, I, I'm trying my best, is all I can say. I'm trying to get things commissioned... Uh, I have no idea whether the Tory majority helps or hinders me in that matter, but it doesn't change the fact that I see the world like I fucking see the world, and I'm going to keep taking the piss out of these fucking left-wing numpties. We're already into the uh, fallout now. The, the fallout. It was quite incredible, wasn't it? You know, straight away, like, it was um, <laughs> just this massive fucking barroom brawl broke out. In Labour, you know, they had this uh, famous um, parliamentary Labour Party meeting where they all went in and they just had it out like a big family row. It was like Corbyn had lost in a task on The Apprentice and he took every fucker into the boardroom with him and they all went in there and there was arguments, there was fingers being pointed. And the thing is, the, the blame is, is, is collective. It, it's not just Corbyn, if I'm honest. He has been incredibly arrogant, vain, blinkered. Old. I know the last one doesn't, is not a valid criticism of a politician, but as regular listeners will know, I, I do hold that. Lily, shut the fuck up, please. There's no one there. Um, sorry about that. 
Is this funny or not? Just a bl- it's, there's always something funny, isn't there, about a bloke being hampered by a tiny dog. She just she she gives it a big in this dog. I tell you something, right? This is I can tell that bark. That's because there's another dog walking past. You get a, you, like you take the window out of the equation, put a face to face that dog, soft as shit, mate. Soft as shit, rolls over on the floor. She anyway, she annoys me. But uh, I, I, but she but she's much she's much fonder of my wife. Who takes her out walk, walking early in the morning? Late at night, picked up her shit for years, and yet, who gets the loving look in the eye? It's my wife. Well, fucking, fucking women for you, mate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so they had their parliamentary Labour Party meeting, and um, the, start, the search is on, because Corbyn nobly stepped down after two election defeats, you know. They, uh, <laughs> it'd be kind of funny if he tried to keep going. I bet he says a part of him that wanted to keep going, you know, because he thought he won the argument. He won the argument, but he lost the election. Yeah, I'd, r- I'd rather uh, lose the argument and win. Um, but I, t- I don't think you can win the argument and lose the election. I mean, saying that you won the argument but lost the election, it's like it's like in football, isn't it? You know, they say they're looking good in training. Yeah, you know what? He's been looking, uh, been looking so sharp in training. All the lads have been saying uh, he's on fire. Do you know what I mean? He's scoring goals, mate. Yeah, yeah. Is he scoring in matches? No, but, you know, in training, he's been... The shop, but yeah, but can he? When you've actually got to do it, can he do it? No, no, he can't. So he's not playing next week. And now we have Corbyn uh, blanking Boris in the Lords today, which is the uh, well, you know, when you look at the whole package of Corbyn, it is amazing that the the petty seventy year old communist uh, didn't get voted as prime minister of the world's fifth biggest economy. I mean, it's just such a shock. It's such a shock. Um, but now, you know, they're looking forward. And, and, and this is where they should have had a female leader by now. Absolutely should have. But this is where their own need to be diverse is going to hamper them. Because is, is a woman the best candidate at this point in time? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that's the case. I mean, like, it's tricky, isn't it? Keir Starmer. Now, he's, he's been out and about, you know, trying to establish his working class credentials, which, you know, looks tricky when he looks like a guy from a gold blend advert. Do you know what I mean? He's a... Uh, you know, I'm not saying that he doesn't have working class credentials. He does. I'm just saying he's called Sakir Starmer. He's a knight of the fucking realm. He's a lawyer. He looks like the kind of guy that your mum leaves your dad for, right? Um, so he is, uh, you know, he's probably the best equipped, maybe. Doesn't mean he'll get the job, being a Labour Party, that sort of thing. That's old fashioned. What, the best person for the job? Shut up. Um, but also, you know, to be fair, he led their way on um, in their increasing sort of sideways stepping over to Brexit and to being more of a Remain party. So, you know, and that, oh, that ultimately was what lost them a lot of their northern marginals. So so it's not like, you know, the problem with these centrist Remaining types is they often like to uh, adorn the mantle of being with the adults in the room. Hey, let the, let the adults speak. You know, the slick looking Blairite ones. Well, you know, in this case, they did speak and um, it was a big part of why uh, Labour lost. But he's going to be up against, uh, he's going to be up against a lot of women. Um, he's going to be up against a lot of women. Uh, Rebecca Long-Bailey. Now, I mean, this is, if you wanted a, 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 a version of Corbyn, like, you know when, you know when Doctor Who respawns? <laughs> this is, this would be like, you know when it became Jodie Whittaker? This would be, this would be the Doctor Who Corbyn respawning version. And don't get me wrong, I thought she had um, a reasonable campaign. I thought she comes across as quite doughty, you know, not as in doubt fiery, but doubt. This is the problem, isn't it? Like, if she became leader, there'd be loads of ways that you would comment on her satirically, and then everyone would go, oh, that's sexist, because she's a woman. You go, well, you know, I mean, 
you know, there's some pretty fucking vicious things get said about, about male politicians. I would say, look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Rebecca Long Bailey looks like a, a primary school teacher. I'm not saying, I'm definitely not saying that. I am saying that I can imagine, like whenever I see her, I imagine a, a classroom full of kids going, good morning, Mrs. Long Bailey. Good morning, children. Good morning. And, you know, she was she was definitely better than Corbyn and McDonald during the election. Um, you know, she's quite a tough, tough character. Um, she's across the details. But this is the problem. Is she prime ministerial? Possibly not. And, you know, I'm not saying that because she's a woman. I'm saying that because the type of woman she is, right? Like, Ed Miliband wasn't prime ministerial. It wasn't because he's a man. It's because of the type of man that he was. Um, and she, but she's got a competition. There's plenty of other... Ladies in the um, in the in the field, <laughs> ladies in the field include uh, Angela Rayner. I've noticed about Angela Rayner is that um, again, you know, you're not supposed to talk about appearance, but I don't give a fuck because what most people think is that we do think about these things. How can we talk about Boris's shitty hair and not talk about Angela Rayner's great hair? I mean, her hair. It's got more volume the closer she's got to power. Has anybody noticed that? She's definitely been boofing it up. I don't know, like it creates just a bigger figure or something. She's definitely going more down the kind of 80s American soap opera vibe. Um, and she has a great narrative, of course, you know, like a single mother at 16. And um, she's got a lot of energy. I think, you know, I think both her and Jess Phillips to an extent would create an issue for... Sorry for that whistle there. A new shoot. My dog almost came. Yeah, you didn't come running then, did you, Lily? Fucking idiot. Um, that you create an issue at the ballot, um, at the uh, dispatch box for him because he's got a like. He's then the big posh guy being mean to this working class woman. Um, of course, that shouldn't matter, but that's how it does matter. I mean, sometimes I think Theresa May got away with her incompetence because the, the country just felt sorry for her because she looked like this confused woman that works in a charity shop. <laughs> and then you go so she's the most powerful woman in the country but she's got all of us including me going oh I'll leave her alone oh she's just trying to do the she's the one that takes in all the bags doesn't she on the Monday and labels them up you know says oh, we don't sell electrics uh, so there's Angela Rayner then we've got another woman um, another working class woman from the uh, Midlands Jess Phillips who is good you know she's effective the centrist lover I, they like, I just Jess Phillips oh yes please so much Jess Phillips it's all about, she is everything. She's everything. Um, and she is good, and she's a good communicator, and the press like her, you know. The Times like her. I mean, the Times, did anyone else notice that the Times just sort of stopped being a Tory paper but didn't tell all the, the Tory readership? Pretty smart. Um, but she's got to stop hamming it up. I mean, she just hams it up at every fucking, um, every opportunity, doesn't she? I mean, it's always the emotion in Jess is always turned up to fucking eleven. I went out in my constituency just the other day, just for a walk, just to get some chicken, babs. And also, you know, she's definitely worked out her USP, right? And I say that's, <laughs> you know, you know, she's uh, the working class thing is, uh, and I've done it in the past. You know, it might be her background, but when she just throws in a little babs, it's almost like a catchphrase, you know. So then all the middle class people are going, oh my God, she said babs, she's so real. So I would say that, um, that she, yeah, just stop fucking hamming it up. Because if she does that every week, at, you know, if she was made leader and every week at the dispatch box at PMQ, she just comes up going, Today, on the train here, I saw a child crying in the toilet. 
That's right. Yeah, you can laugh it up, Boris. But the child was crying because it had shat itself, Boris. And it didn't really have anything to do with politics. But um, I felt for that child. I really did. <laughs> so um, that's my, that would be my advice to Jess if she wants to take it. A man's blaming her. This is what I'm saying. Man, what I'm basically saying is stop being so fucking emotional. Which is not a fashionable thing to say in 2019. But it's not, not stop being emotional. It's just to stop, just do the, just do the real emotion that you have in a fucking real way. Uh, and then, of course, Emily Thornberry. Emily Thornberry. Re- oh, um, Richard Gardner. What's his fucking name? Barry Gardner. He's uh, thrown his hat into the ring. But as I said on Twitter, the hat landed 14 feet from the ring. As a proper joke. And by proper, I mean not good. Um, so he... Well, I, don't, I don't think he'll declare. Um, and Emily Thornberry, of course. Emily... <laughs> I mean... God, she's... Uh, she, I mean, she's certainly got, like, the status, hasn't she? She's done the yards... Uh, she's got the experience. She, she'd be, um, like Angela Rayner and Jess Phillips, she'd be really good at the dispatch box against Boris because they know how to handle him. Do you know what I mean? It's almost Women are almost better with him than men because they, they see through his bullshit. But um, I think that... I don't think Formbury would be a good option. You know, she's... Um, she, she'd be more Corbyn uh, economically. She'd be more Remain. And so I don't know if that's going to win back their marginals. I suppose the thing that Labour do have in their favour... Once Brexit's done, um, is that is that those marginals won't suddenly care so much about Brexit, right? Once it's done, that no longer becomes the defining feature, and they will once again be voting uh, on priorities, right? Um, and and it may well switch back to Labour then. So in in, in a sort of peculiar way, yeah, I didn't even think about this. Um, is that Labour's electoral survival could rest on Boris getting Brexit done? So they need to, but of course they're going to block every fucking vote, you know what I mean? And that just adds to the narrative. Um, I saw today as well, you know, there was all those Northern voters, uh, those Northern uh, new MPs, and there's a photo of them. And yes, it is 20 white men in a photo. But that's what people voted for. So when anyone's going, oh yeah, all these white men in a photo, I mean, like, there's no other group in society you'd be able to say that about. And also, that's what people voted for. You're missing, you're fucking doing it again. The thing that is alienating you with the public, you're doing it again. There was all these other candidates set against them, and I presume there were plenty of women, you know, there were ethnic minorities, and that's what the people voted for. They voted for those people because they felt they were the best candidates for their area. So, you know, just, just fucking, what, what is it the um, the Northern Irish say? Catch, catch on to your fucking self. Catch on. Cop on. There's probably Northern Irish people pissing themselves at both me butchering the accent and the fucking phrase, but... Um, so yeah, it will probably be Keir Starmer plus about eight women. So the whole Labour leadership campaign, particularly the debates, um, it's going to look like uh, with all those sort of angry women and Keir Starmer looking nervous, it's going to look like an intense episode of Take Me Out. Hey, just going to do a, a quick tour plug. Also, with this podcast, remember to subscribe. Have you subscribed yet? Subscribe. Don't just keep the, downloading them one by one. Let it auto-update. Subscribe. Rate it. Recommend it. Leave a review. Five stars only, please. Oh, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, no, five stars. Yeah, five, fuck you. Five stars. I'm doing this for free. I haven't even taken advertising. Has any been offered, Jeff? No, but still <laughs> uh yeah the tour had a real bumper set of sales over the last two weeks i don't know if that was just people 
because of various uh, occurrences in the press, <laughs> just going, well, who are the right-wing comedians, you know? So I, I appreciate that. I didn't expect it to sell well. So um, if you want to keep going with that, that would be great. Uh, Wrexham, Stourport are places that uh, would be great to see some, some sales in, you know? I mean, Wrexham did return. I can their first ever conservative MP, so maybe they'll return their first ever conservative comedian sellout. But I'm really looking forward to getting the show going. I am writing new bits. So a lot of people say to me, Jeff, is it worth coming and seeing the show again? Look, obviously it is the tour show, taking liberties, but there will be uh, new bits I'll be working on uh, in January. So and uh, so if you want to see how I cope and change with the ever-changing new political landscape, then uh, even out if you've got problems at home, let's be honest. You know, if it's not good in your relationship and you're just looking for excuses to get out and say, oh, I bought the tour tickets ages ago. That's what you should say. So do that. Just buy them again. And then you don't even need to fucking come. Let's be honest. But come. It'll be lovely to see you again. Okay. Right. We're going to do letters here. Um, so in the last episode, remember, you can email me uh, if you think I've been talking shit throughout this episode or any specific subjects. I'm sure there must have been the odd thing um, is... Uh, you just come back to me on the things that I've said at what most people think UK all one word at gmail.com now in the last podcast I was wanging on about how shit modern football is just you know just to add to this sense of myself as being just a grumpy old bastard that's not really adapted uh, to the modern world and I got a letter uh, I'm going to call them letters as well because I am aging fast uh, it's from Derek McMillan and it says you don't miss 90s, 90s football Jeff it was shit you miss being 25 years younger. I'm like, fucking blown away by that analysis. Um, yeah, you're probably right. I do. Do I miss being 25 years younger? Hang about. Let's let's do the maths here. So I'm 43 now. That'd mean I was 18. I, do you know what? It's gonna sound. It's gonna say I wasn't that happy when I was 18. I wasn't. I was. Um, I discovered cannabis, and I was. Um, I'd gone. I'd gone from being at a six-form college that I really enjoyed to going to university. And didn't enjoy it so much. I was at a liberal arts college, so surprise, surprise, my first brush with the save Cuba and save the whales and fucking, you know. They weren't saving electricity back then, but they they would be those people in time. But anyway, I went, I was, yeah, I wasn't enjoying it that much. I don't think I was. Do you know, weirdly, I think one of my greatest ages was 14. I don't know why, man. I just felt like at 14 years old, I fucking, and I know, I just heard you lot thinking it, going, what, wanking, was it, Jeff? Yes, that was it. I spent, yeah, it was part of it. But I don't know. I don't know. Me, uh, I, don't, I remember when I was 14, uh, my family moved out of a council flat and we got a council house in Mitcham and uh, I got my first proper girlfriend going steady. And uh, yeah, I just remember feeling like I kind of, um, like I knew what shit was about when I was 14. You know, I was in play. I was a smart guy. Um, it's, it has been all downhill since then. And I would say that in 90s football, I mean, there is a brilliant um, Twitter there is a brilliant Twitter account called Crap 90s Football, and it's worth just sometimes reminding yourself. Some of the goldmouth scrambles are fucking brilliant. I mean, just I mean, just blokes literally getting clotheslined, headbutted. Uh, I'm getting nostalgic as I talk about it. So the truth is, is that you're right, Derek, is that a lot of it was shit. It was shit. But I miss the shit. I do miss the shit. Okay, we've got another letter here from uh, Warren in the Midlands. That's just no no more details there. Just mystical Warren in the, the what are you the fucking James Bond of Shropshire. And no one ever thinks of Shropshire as Midlands, do you? you know, fucking Telford, weird fucking place. Anyway, well, I, I'm so into the. Um, have I have I done the Peaky Blinders thing before? Basic observation is that 
it's always the same conversation between Arthur and Tommy. Is Arthur's Arthur Shelby's always going, Come on, Tommy, come on, let's fucking go and do some coke. Let's go and do some coke, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. And Tommy's always going, Arthur, he's always trying to sort of stave him off right. Arthur, don't do any coke for now. I want you to go and meet with the Lees brothers. No, Tommy, come on, fucking Tommy, let's do some fucking coke, Tommy, come on. Let's fucking drink some whiskey. And let's fucking kill some cunt. Put them in a fucking furnace, Tommy. Come on, come on. Such a bizarre show, that, isn't it? Um, when you think about it, the actual precept for that is... There were, what's, Net, what's Peaky Blinders about? Well, you know, it's these guys that come back from the First World War. They've all got fucking PTSD. And they're in this gang and they slash people with uh, razor blades that they keep in their caps. Go, oh, that's, that sounds nice. I'll watch that one with uh, the family. But the truth is, a lot of these shows are about pretty bleak stuff. And, you know, but it's, don't get me started on... Shakespeare, right? Shakespeare's all about that. You know, when I was I used to be an English teacher, yeah, I, I used to be an English teacher. Believe it. It's true. And I used to be telling these kids these stories. And then I remember I was teaching Romeo and Juliet once, and I just thought, this is fucking bleak, man. These kids are, you know, living in some weird sectarian part of Verona, and uh, they fall in love, and they end up fucking topping themselves. Both of them. That's it. There you go, kids. That's Shakespeare. That's what you have to know. That's on the fucking national curriculum. What you need to know, kids, is, uh, yeah, don't go dating outside your circle because motherfuckers get killed. Gang warfare. Uh, that's the worst thing, though, isn't it, when they teach modern text and they, they try and make it uh, funky for the kids. They go, um, in some ways, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the old postcode wars. Right, kids? No, fuck off, sir. It's not like that. But anyway... We got uh we got Warren's letter here, so I'm gonna read uh, Warren in the style of Arthur Shelby from the Peaky Blinders. Fucking hell, Tommy! Fucking hell! Fucking hell! Um, he hasn't written that. Um, at the at the office party, we went to a fucking salsa night. I remember it up until about ten p.m. and then I just got images. Really, I'm certain I did something awful. I know it's probably beer fear, but I really think I could be in fucking trouble this time, Tommy. Fucking help me, Tommy. Um, okay, so a, a bit lacking in detail. As ever, guys, could you just, when you email me, just give me more detail. But yeah, so you've got drunk, a salsa night. That's funny as well. So you're all, I'd love to see the videos of you all just drunk enough that you think your hips are loose enough that you can uh, Shakira that. <laughs> oh yeah, my hips don't lie, my fucking hips don't lie. Come on, yeah. Just grabbing women. Is that what you were like? Is that what you thought? Did you think you were a peaky blinder for the night? When you say, the only clue here is that you say, I've got, uh, I just got images, really. That's quite <laughs> sort of, you know, sombre. I've just got fucking images, really. Bit like Arthur Shelby. Come on, Tommy. Fucking hell. Um, so I would imagine those images, if you're anything like me, is that, that, that you just, you don't remember what you said to somebody, but you just remember the immediate aftermath of their facial expression once you were done saying it. That's what I get. I just, in the following day, I was just like, what? Because something about my drunk self clicks into action where I think, what the, what the fuck did I just say there? What the fuck? I remember in um, 2017 at the Edinburgh Fringe, right? I was uh, I got chucked out of a place called The Loft Bar, which is the cool, groovy place, all the, you know, proper comedians. Yeah. And, um, well, I was there, so I'm a fucking hypocrite. I was there. And um, uh, Ed Byrne suggested that I leave now it's, it's a top bloke and it turned out that he was just in the spirit of uh just being a nice guy I was being I was being loud and I was just kept dropping drinks really it was unacceptable I think that that is there's a lot of things that you could stay in a bar for there's a lot of yellows but I think a straight red or certainly two yellows together is 
two consecutive drop trays of drinks, you're out. You're fucking out. Um, so this guy, he's saying he knows it's beer fear, but I really think I could be in trouble this time, right? So, yeah, we're just... But the worst thing is as well, isn't it? You've got, you've got to ask people as well. You're going, God. Do you ever get that one where you wake up in the morning just texting, just texting, going, fucking hell, how, how mad was last night? And they text back going, yeah, really mad. You're like... Yeah, I mean, God, I was fucking out of control, right? Question mark, question mark, question mark. They're like, yeah, man, you were you were on fire. You're like, uh, when you say on fire, do you mean like handsy on fire or racist on fire? What what was it? What fire was I doing? Was it bad fire? Did I mention lynching? Um, <laughs> it's it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. What you really want to do is you want to get everyone around you. Everyone that loves and cares about you say, you were fine last night, you were great company, you were amazing. And then you go, oh, thanks, guys. And then 10 minutes later, you go, but was I? So the truth is, is that, I don't know what the fuck it is alcohol does to the brain, but it, it creates within you a fear of disgust, right? Does it stop you feeling like you want to crack one out the following day? Sorry, I know it's a bit crass, but it's like, <laughs> it's just the worst. How can I feel like more of a disgusting shell of a man now? Oh, I know, I'll do that. So Warren, you know, just at the end of the day, if you haven't been sacked from your job or disciplinary, I would say this: definitely stop thinking about it by the time that you, um, that by the time you break up for Christmas, okay? Because don't let it ruin your Christmas. At the end of the day, just if HR, if HR haven't come in and had a word by the time you've opened your first box of celebrations, I think you're going to be all right. What most now, regular listeners will know that we do a mystical, um, mystical. Hypothetical political fight. Uh, the hypothetical political fight this week is between two Labour leadership contenders. Um, this is... Well, I didn't get who this is from. It's just some weird fucking collection of letters and numbers is the email. Maybe it's a bot. Maybe it's Russia, right? Did I, everyone else vote because of Russia? I did. Strict instructions from the Kremlin. And this is who would win in a fight between Emily Thornberry and Jess Phillips. I personally... I think this is quite straightforward. I think the... I think that the liberal bubble might imagine that Jess is a bit of a scrapper, but I do not see her that way. I think that she would have been a head of house at her school. I think she would have been quite quite proper, I think, Jess. Emily Thornberry, on the other hand, I don't know. She's deceptive, right? Didn't she go up in a council flat and stuff? So she's uh, she's had a bit of a background. But Emily Thornberry, this will come down to physicality on a point. Emily Thornberry, she's got a low centre of gravity for one. And she's quite uh, barrel-chested, in a way. Uh, I'm not talking about her tips there. I mean, her overall frame. Uh, I think that I think that she, she's she got short hair as well. I think that she's been in that many fights. That's why she's got the short hair. It's because she doesn't want anything for some other bitch to grab hold of, right? Pulling out a fucking weave. That's got to be the best thing in uh, women's fights on YouTube, isn't it? Just something about a woman's wig or weave coming off. It's <laughs> Even saying it is funny. Uh, whereas Jess, what's she rocking hair-wise? She's got a bob, practical haircut, but it's still enough for Emily to get hold of there. Yeah, I think Emma, I don't think Emily fucks about. I do not think that she fucks about. I think this is quite straightforward. I think that she's going in there. I think she would crowd Jess Phillips. I think she would work the body, work the rib cage. I just think it would get stopped. I do think it gets stopped. Middle of round two, uh, it would just be a battering. It would be a battering, and, um, and Jess would look... Um, would look grateful for the towel being thrown in. So that is a fairly straightforward victory for Emily, the Thornbird Thornbreed. 
Uh, just a quick men's mental health this time. As I said to you before, I'm not going to do them all the time. I'm just going to do it if I've got something particular to say. And I think that with Christmas coming up, you know, <laughs> now you might think that I'm going to talk about suicide now, right? You know, it's a really difficult time for a lot of people, missing people. No, I'm going to say it's a really tricky time for men because they have to spend extended periods with their family. Now, that doesn't mean, as I've discussed before, that men don't love their families. It's just, a, you know, for a lot of men, you know, for what most people do, uh, men are probably on balance spending longer outside of the house. So it take you know, it takes an adjustment, doesn't it? You go from this person that's in a fucking van or going to an office all the time and then... And then you're in, you're in the house and, and there is a terror that goes with that. Like, fuck, how do I do this? How do I fit in with the, you know, the, 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 the movement and the, the kinetic energy of this household? So it takes a bit of time to relax. Now, one thing is, you know, you've got to do it because your body needs it. And even at the time you're doing it, you just feel bored. Like, I think being bored is actually quite a good sign that you're, you're doing what you should be doing. Because if you never feel bored... <laughs> That means you've never slowed down to the point where your mind is looking around for things to do. So, you know, because I know there'll come a point in that Christmas break when, you know, the family's going and, you know, it's the fucking 15th animated film on television. Although animated films are good, like the family can enjoy them, but you just, you know, you'd give a whole te Terry's chocolate orange just to be at work. And, that, and then you think, how sad is that? And then you feel guilty about that feeling of wishing to be out of the house. But it doesn't mean that you're a bad husband or... Father, it just means that you're struggling to adapt to a different pace and you just got to let yourself do it. I mean, of course, social media is there. Uh, the lads WhatsApp group, I think, is a, uh, a crucial thing, you know, at this time. Remember, and the lads WhatsApp group isn't just for Christmas. It's for the entire year. And, uh, yeah, as, as the day rolls on. I, I, also, you know, don't be on fucking social media too much because, I mean, really. I, I remember last year. I did a search on all the people that were still arguing about Brexit on Christmas Day. And uh, I was laughing at them, thinking, you fucking losers arguing about. And I thought, you're searching for people that are arguing about Brexit. And maybe you're the fucking loser. So, you know, it's worth going dark on the old socials for a while. And then, of course, there is always alcohol. Just get fucking steaming. Get steaming, although then if you do get steaming, the worst one is, you know the bit of the day where you start drinking in the morning, you, know, hey, you get all that energy and stuff and then you just fucking punch yourself out and then you're asleep on the couch and then you've got to sort of spend the rest of the day, like you can't go, when, there's this weird thing with drinking where if you've drunk to the point where you fell asleep, you cannot, you don't generally, unless you've got a serious problem, get up and carry on drinking again, you know then that if you fucked up like that, you have to do the time and you just look all fucking grumpy eat about 58,000 roast potatoes, just trying to <laughs> just trying to get some fucking energy back in your body. Uh, and uh, yeah, you just eat basically 18,000 calories across a day. But, but that's the point is that, you know, if you just, if you just do the, the it, slowing down your mental pace is the hardest thing. But if you put a work in early, do you know what I mean? Then you do, I'm basically, this is all advice to myself. What I'm saying is my body is failing, guys. <laughs> Body's failing arthritis everywhere this is all advice for me so um hopefully do, do spare a thought for me as as on christmas day there is a part of me that is, is still thinking about jokes about fucking uh, indicative votes and stuff because it's been quite a hectic year but uh, on that note i'll oh, fuck it i'll say this in the next bit but yeah just just look after yourselves and and make use of the lads whatsapp group and if you are a woman then you know well, you're, you're gonna be busy anyway oh did he say that he fucking did boo
Okay, uh, so as I've just realised, um, this is the last podcast of the year. I just wanted to say thank you um, to everybody that, that follows me, uh, that listens to the podcast, that buys tickets, shares stuff online. Um, I'm not the most well-followed comedian on social media, as some of you will see. You know, 36,000 Twitter followers, you know, a handful of Instagram followers. Um, but I punch above my way, man, uh, in terms of the tour tickets I'm able to sell and, you know, in terms of the, the amount of people that watch the documentary and, and stuff. So I, I really appreciate that. It's what I always wanted um, in comedy was just to have um, some, some cool people from left and right that sort of see what I'm doing. And, and you know, when I was playing big venues and, and selling them out in the tour, it was clear that those people are out there. So, I mean, this is not like me, is it? I mean, this is just wanky. There's some of you are fucking fucking choking on your eggnog right now going this is not what i tuned into this for tuned in i'm such an old bastard but anyway look thank you for all that as ever i uh, end the podcast by reading out a couple of the five star reviews and i say a couple there are two um <laughs> this guy is called foxy foxy uh they're both from bristol this week um so they're both going to be roughly the same accent um surrounded by the trusted i'll start again surrounded by the trustafarian twatterati of bristols <laughs> of Bristol I'll start again surrounded by the Trustafarian Twatterati of Bristol brackets highest proportion of self-righteous pricks within the UK question mark Jeff delivers a superb antidote to what we are told we should be thinking by the great and good of TV and social media after last week's result he's been proven right keep it up thank you very much Foxy Foxy Twatterati is I am I'm nicking that I'm nicking that copyright I'm calling it calling it. Uh, next one is from Cotswolder, but this is also from a guy called Nigel who lives in Bristol. Was anyone else worried about the title of the last episode? That was called Feminism. Um, there was going to be Jeff's suggestion on how Joe Swinson should get her a campaign off the crowd. Well, I'm not sure what you're alluding to there, but I think I get you. Uh, don't suppose we'll get another episode until he sobers up after last Thursday, but looking forward to it. And is the election proof that he does say what most people think? Keep up the good work, Nigel in Bristol. Uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not saying that I've been vindicated. I'm saying I have been thoroughly 100% vindicated. People should fucking listen to me. Um, but it, it always just seems really obvious to me. That's just the weirdest thing. It was This was, this election result was yet another obvious fucking surprise. It was like everyone was told that a dinosaur, like uh, the dinosaur was going to go extinct, right? There was this meteor heading for the earth. They'd drawn the fucking impact site on a map, and all the dinosaurs were just there chewing away, just going, hey, I don't think the meteor's going to hear here. I think something's going to happen. Do you hear there's been loads of new dinosaurs registering in Crouch End? Yeah, really cool dinosaurs, man. The new dinosaur... Me- that was my explosion sound effect. But anyway, listen, there's plenty more to talk about in the new year. Once again, thank you for listening. I've been Jeff Norcott. I'll see you, I think, on January the 2nd or 3rd. Cheers, bye. What most people think.